Chief Manager's Global Headquarters. This is Around the Block with Jeff and Dave. Good day, cryptocurrency world. This is Jefferson. I'm here with Dave. Good morning, blockchain world. And we've got an exciting show for you. We're going to talk about crypto jobs. They're here now. You don't have to wait anymore. Uh, we're going to talk about Binance. They just got hacked. What you can do about it. Uh, we got China banning chat, which is very scary. Uh, if you're on the WeChat platform, some news that you're going to want to hear about. And uh, we got a lot of things to talk about today. So. Let's get right to it. Top of the top of the news. I was reading BTC Manager here. We got Binance. They got hacked. Seven thousand Bitcoin stolen from their hot wallet. What do you think about that, Dave? That's a lot of Bitcoin. Seven thousand. Would that total up to something like forty million? Yeah, that's right. So uh, that's what they know about at the moment. I think they're still investigating the hack. Um, and that was basically a hacker got in and managed to track all the different API keys and uh, two-factor codes and things like that. And then they just hit Binance all at once. So, Gary, this is on, right on the tails of uh, Bitfinex getting hacked last year. And with Bitfinex, though, they took the money out of their Tether account uh, to pay people back, <laughs> which is not a very good idea. On the... But uh, on the other hand, with Binance, they had a special fund set aside. Uh, they call it the SAFU fund, which I'm not quite sure what that stands for, but maybe it's, you know, something all screwed up fund. <laughs> uh, so they had a special fund set aside for that that they took the money out of uh, to pay for, to pay the investors back. So at least they're standing behind their systems and their problem which I find good, and the market actually reacted uh, pretty well. It's been staying within a pretty tight range, pretty close to 6,000. It didn't seem to affect it too much. And I don't know, I, I'm just hoping that people, it's just another wake-up call, and they and they learn what uh, Andreas Antonopoulos has been saying forever, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. That's right. The whole power of this uh, currency is that you can keep the money in your own possession with a ledger or even a paper wallet or something like that. You keep it where a hacker simply cannot get to it, and it's impossible. And if it's on a hot wallet with a computer somewhere, there's a chance a hacker can get in. And Binance, uh, they spent a lot of money. They built an artificial intelligence system that was supposed to identify suspicious trading activity and even catch on to a hack ahead of time. But they weren't able, I mean, the hacker managed to beat all that. Who would leave 7,000 Bitcoins on an exchange? Well, in this case, it wasn't just one person. Uh, multiple people's sub-accounts under Binance's hot wallet account that got hacked. Typically, an exchange is told, I mean, if you have an exchange, you want to keep somewhere between 10 and 5 and 10 percent of your uh, money on an exchange to facilitate deposits and withdrawals, right? So that's what they set up, is they had a hot wallet 
where, I mean, it totaled $7 to Bitcoin, and the hacker got, the hacker got it. But so, so do you think, yeah. do you think this safe, safe foo account or whatever you called it, is that like, uh, uh, what do they call with the banks, the FDIC insured? Is that like their kind of account that they put aside for if they get hacked or something? Yeah, it looks like they set aside a fund, a contingency fund, for what would happen if somebody got our hot wallet and just completely liquidated it. You know, we want to stand behind our product. And Binance has been in operation for a long time, but it looks like they built up quite a war chest. And so they cover the entire cost of the, of the hack. So the CEO of Binance, is, is he, he's going to compensate all these people who lost their, their coins? Yeah, it sure looks that way. Interesting. Now compare that to, uh, I mean, if you read mainstream news, you know, the, the either these people are the ones that say cryptocurrency is only used by drug dealers and porn stars. Um, you know, never mind that dollar, they use more for that than anything. But yeah, they, they don't look at that part of it. I mean, I got this class action thing in the mail the other day because uh, I was a, I, I had I still accept you know payments on Visa and Mastercard, right? And if you accepted Visa and Mastercard payments using PayPal or anything between January 1, 2004, and January 25, 2019, Visa, without admitting any you know guilt or anything like that, and Mastercard. Uh, they're going to pay between 5.5 billion to 6.24 billion to merchants that were affected by their scam. So there's a lot more scam going on uh, in the fiat monetary scheme than has ever happened in all of crypto today. You don't hear about that on the mainstream media much. You know, all you hear about is, you know, uh, what a scam. Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is. Right. I mean, I was browsing Reddit on their odd channel. Uh, there was a picture of a dog, uh, a police dog, that had snipped out a drug dealer that was uh, dealing in meth, methamphetamine, which, by the way, is a very awful drug. And what did the methamphetamine dealer have? He didn't have crypto. He had several thousand dollars worth of dollars. In 20s and hundreds. I've heard, I read something, oh, it was probably a week ago, where there's a major problem with our currency because they think that the paper currency has been tainted with cocaine and crack and, and like 80% of our currency. And it's a huge issue of transmitting some, some nasty things, I guess. Have you heard that? Yeah, and also... I remember reading the CDC or one of these, you know, government agencies uh, did a test on currency, and they found it contained a lot of bacteria, E. coli, ah. and others. <sighs> right? Because just, when, uh, when's the last time you've actually laundered your money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it just it just makes you wonder how you're going to explain to your children. We used to use this this green paper stuff to exchange services and. And products and uh, and 
and how we had to pay banks to take care of our money for us. And they're going to be going, what? Why? All right. Well, speaking of, uh, if you don't want to deal with currency at all, there are some solutions, actually. Uh, there are solutions now for being able to buy products uh, using cryptocurrency. A lot of it's been out for years. There's purse.io. Uh, there's these gift card places. Uh, you know, there's even if you're living in Japan, uh, there's a lot of electronic stores that'll accept crypto. A lot of even bars and so forth in Japan that'll accept crypto. So more what was and more. that? What was that first one you mentioned? The purse. Uh, purse.io. Uh, Can't you just, like? Buy stuff on Amazon with that and everything? Yes, yes. You can deposit some crypto and buy whatever you want off of Amazon, and it'll show up at your front door. Hmm. And is it complicated to use? Is it no. something that anybody can install and just start using right away? Or? It's a website. You just go into the website, uh, follow the direction to load your purse wallet uh, with some uh, Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and... You know, then you go to Amazon, pick out what you want to buy, and, you know, send it off to Purse, and it'll show up at your front door. And they're a pretty reputable company. They've been around for several years. Yeah. So far, so good. Again, uh, treat it like you would at exchange. Don't keep any funds on there for very long. But, mm -hmm. And the way I use it is I just go in there, I deposit exactly as much as I need to buy, mm -hmm. and... I get whatever it is I'm looking for, you know, hard drives, uh, monitors, and everything else. If someone was interested in 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 doing that, is that uh, is that something they could find a YouTube video on fairly oh, easily? Yes. Okay, yeah. good. And then, but now the flip side of that equation is how do you earn in crypto that you can go spend it on purse, right? Ah. So there's a few ways. Right now, and I said it on the show yesterday, there is a 0% unemployment rate in the cryptocurrency industry. If you're a developer, uh, even with basic skills, uh, they are hiring. And here's the thing. You don't even have to apply to some of these places. There's a website called gitcoin.co that you can go on to. Anybody can go on to. And there are all kinds of jobs on there. And even regular, like writing, you know, documentation type of jobs, you can go on there. And for example, I see one here, answering issues with the label support. Just go on to, uh, you know, that uh, Bitcoin job. You can then petition to take it on. If you're approved by the project owner, you can now work on that. And then, you know, you get paid out the bounty. And if you're concerned about the uh, volatility of the currency. Uh, for example, there are some that they pay out in Ethereum or one of the other currencies, right? If you're concerned about the volatility, well, you can just also get paid in DAI, D-A-I coins. DAI coin is a stable coin built on the uh, Ethereum protocol. And one DAI is worth $1. So, so it's similar, is it similar to Tether? Yes, very similar to Tether. Okay. So you can get paid out and die. You can convert it if you want to, to Ethereum or to Bitcoin. There are plenty of exchanges for that. Uh, or you can keep it and die if you want. Um, you have a lot of freedom with it. So here's the thing. You can earn in cryptocurrency 
and you can now spend in cryptocurrency. So there's really almost no reason to stay in the fiat monetary scheme. Now, Gitcoin is a relatively new platform. They have a lot of jobs on there. Uh, one of these upcoming days, we'll probably invite the founder of uh, Gitcoin, Kevin Awaki, on a call and we'll interview him. Uh, so if you have questions, uh, definitely give us a call. We want to hear from you. Our number uh, and email address is posted on the, on the show information page. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. And that number so, is that number is 808-825-6255, right? Yes, 808-825-6255. Okay. So there's another website, crypto.jobs, which is just one of the many that are out there. Uh, they're similar to Monster or uh, one of these other, you know, job sites, uh, but they focus solely on crypto jobs. And if you say, well, I'm not really a developer, I'm no good at development, um, that's fine. They're looking for graphic designers, they're looking for content writers, they're looking for digital marketing, they're looking for even heads of communication, you know, executive level jobs. Uh, they're looking for senior level jobs. So really, uh, even ambassadors, brand ambassadors, they're looking for those types of jobs. And it seems like every day there's at least five or six new jobs being posted and more are coming as this industry continues to evolve as companies like Microsoft get into the game, uh, they're going to be looking for more skilled people that already have a history of jobs in crypto. So if you're an enterprising individual, I would strongly recommend trying for one of these jobs so that you have a little bit of experience under your belt before you go to apply to some of these larger scale jobs that are coming. I mean, you got Starbucks cracking coffee beans. And you know, that's just going to be the start. It's going to grow from there. So you don't have to be some high-tech coder to, to, to land probably a pretty cool, decent job. That's right. That's right. So they got some amazing opportunities for uh, anybody that's really interested. Um, and tomorrow we're going to be talking to uh, another company called Solve.Care. Uh, Pradeep Goel has some amazing news, uh, that healthcare news that could affect you in the upcoming years. So if you want to learn about where the healthcare industry is going, definitely listen to this interview tomorrow to find out how your relationship to your doctor can be improved, how pharmaceutical prices uh, could actually be managed and maintained using this system uh, that Solvecare has built. And he's got some uh, pretty amazing partnerships and uh, industry leaders that are already adopting his platform. So this is uh, something that's here now that will affect you. So if you're wondering about how Medicare is going to work, or how your employer sponsor healthcare is going to work, listen to this call tomorrow. This show is for you. So coming out of China, we have another China banned Bitcoin. Uh, but actually, this one is a little bit scarier uh, than, I, than I first thought about it. So here's what happened. So China has said uh, that the WeChat platform, so if you're on WeChat, you're going to want to listen up, uh, they will not allow... Bitcoin transactions 
on the WeChat platform. If you send a Bitcoin address or you try to accept payment using Bitcoin through WeChat, through a WeChat message, they could potentially ban your entire account. How would they know? That was my next question. Because I thought that WeChat, which is owned by Tencent, by the way, I thought that WeChat was supposed to be a really secure messaging platform. Sounds so, like they're potentially monitoring it. So if you're on WeChat and you're talking to somebody, you might want to reconsider because you got China that's now going to be able to see everything that you're saying. You might be be getting spied on. So there's a lot of other platforms like Telegram um, and I guess WhatsApp for now, granted that's owned by Facebook, um, but Facebook is talking about opening up that platform, so it may not be as secure anymore. So, so far, Telegram and the upcoming top network platform might be good. Uh, so you're going to want to switch over to a secure messaging platform because WeChat is no longer secure. How many times has China banned Bitcoin? I've lost track. And I, I think every <laughs> time it goes up, they want to ban it so they can accumulate more Bitcoin. Sounds like the strategy. You know, even uh, the guy we talked to a few days ago on our pilot show, Tim Draper, he's pretty frustrated by it. Well, you know, they, they're living in their own country. they got their own rules and regs. Right, right. Well, here uh, we got the Federal Trade Commission. That's, it takes them a few years. They're a little slow on the uptake, but eventually they're going to go after somebody doing something wrong. Now, I've invested in a few Kickstarters, and I've invested in a few uh, others, and just about every one of them's lost money. A few of them have made it, but a lot of them have lost money, and we're told there's nothing we can do about it. You know, that's just the name of the game, right? Well, I guess you have to be pretty egregious and you have to buy some Bitcoin before the Federal Trade Commission will finally step up and do something about this problem. So they're going after this guy who raised $800,000 for a smart backpack. Now, the smart backpack, I mean, on the surface, it sounded pretty cool and he claimed to have a working prototype. Uh, it was a Wi-Fi hotspot had a battery on board so you could charge up your phone while you're walking or hiking or whatever, had a GPS tracking system so if somebody stole your backpack, you can go find it. Um, we had a retractable power cord, and it had a built-in stereo. I wonder how much this thing weighed. Uh, but supposedly, you could use it on ATT, Verizon, and Sprint, and a few other networks. So it looks like a pretty cool deal. So this iBackpack of Texas, Went on Kickstarter back in 2015, and by 2016, uh, raised like $800,000. I mean, Dave, would you buy this backpack? Does it sound pretty cool? It sounds interesting. I'm kind of a gadget guy. It'd be fun to check out, like at the Consumer Electronics Show or something. Right, right. So people paid between $169 and $299 for one of these backpacks. And well, it better, now, better be a darn good backpack. <laughs> right? So three years later, uh, he never shipped a single product. Mm. Not a single one. No, what he did with that money was uh, he bought some Bitcoin 
Uh, he paid off all his credit cards. Uh, looks like he paid off a few other bills and bought a, a car. And that was it. He spent all the money on himself. So the Federal Trade Commission filed suit, um, and they're going to try to get that money back for the people on Kickstarter. I wouldn't hold your breath. But it mm. seems like out of all the things that go on, all the scams that go on out there, it seems rather ironic that out of everything, the Federal Trade Commission would pick this one guy who bought some Bitcoin as somebody to go after. Do you think that that's what triggered it? You know, I mean, if if he hadn't have bought the Bitcoin, do you think that it, they're just trying to use somebody as an example that invest in the Bitcoin or what? I think so. I mean, remember Daffley? Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, a lot of people invested in Daffley. They raised millions. And yeah, you, you and I did. <laughs> they went bankrupt. I know. Lost all our money, didn't we? Yeah, they went bankrupt. No, so Daffley goes no, bankrupt. Nope, nobody does anything about it. They didn't ship a single product. They probably bought some nice houses and cars with that money. And that was millions, several million that they raised. And there's no there's no recourse yeah. or anything. Right. On the other hand, this iBackhack guy is getting totally gone after by the FTC. Just one guy. And there were other uh, Kickstarters that have raised more money than this guy did. That have gone bankrupt. And nobody can do anything about it. I find it fascinating. So, it is fascinating. I guess uh, the moral of the story is, uh, if you raise some money, don't buy Bitcoin. <laughs> or at least don't <laughs> buy it in a traceable way. Yeah. So... That's the thing. For every one of these scammers that are going around and out there, um, there are a lot of scammers. Uh, it seems like, you know, the, the only ones that hit the news are the scammers that are uh, somehow scamming with Bitcoin uh, and within the United States. I know there's a lot of scammers that are not within the United States that have raised, you know, tens of millions off their scams. I mean, all the ITO scams that have happened in the last years, right? And all those people have gotten away with it. Because they live in countries like Russia. Which leads me to wonder, I think a lot of these folks that are trying to scam using cryptocurrencies, I wonder how many of them, given the sophistication of the scam and the amount of people needed to pull off the scam, I wonder how many of them are state-sponsored by counterintelligence agencies. All right, well, I think that's show, our show for the day. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have comments or questions, go onto our show page and file it there or give us a call. Dave, can you hit us up with the number? Yep, that number. Uh, if you guys want to ask any questions or call in and leave any comments, that number is 808-825-6255. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dave. It's great to have you here today. We appreciate you listening to us. And we'll see you tomorrow. This has been a production of BTC Managers Around the Block with Jeff and Dave.